We gotta go to the bullpen. Hello listeners and a warm welcome to the Highland Bullpen Baseball and Sports Podcast. Our bullpen bros will give a uniquely Scottish take on America's pastime. And in terms of baseball knowledge, it doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues. This is the podcast for you. Hello baseball fans everywhere and welcome back to the Highland Bullpen. Just the three bullpen bros this week, myself, Dave Senior and Alan, but there's plenty to talk about. Alan has been over in Seattle, he has been our man on the ground, uh, checking out this year's Seattle Mariners in what could well be a a historic year, uh, with the Mariners currently around about 80% probability of making the playoffs, according to those big brains at 538.com. So it's looking good for the Mariners and Alan will to tell us at first hand whether he thinks they've got the chops to make it to the postseason and how far they could go as they continue to chase that elusive first World Series appearance. Now, a team with a lot more experience of the World Series, the Boston Red Sox, but unfortunately it has been, a, if not a year to forget, a challenging year. And we've got Yorkshire Dave here who'll be ready to update us on what's been happening with the boys from Fenway Park. But I think we'll start this week uh, by going over to Alan, who can share his experiences, as I say, over in Seattle, seeing it firsthand how the, how the Mariners got on, Obviously more used to seeing the Detroit Tigers, Alan, but what was your experience of the Mariners and of Seattle? Yeah, fantastic experience, I think, is the, the headline. I'm delighted to have the chance to chat with you guys and let, let people listen to my experiences. Um, I'll uh, maybe stop short of saying I developed a soft spot for one of the other teams, particularly as we've already got you supporting them within the bullpen already, but uh, it, it was great. I think uh, it's probably a few aspects of my trip were great. I was lucky enough, uh, the way my trip worked out, to see the Mariners four times. Uh, I'm not sure how many major league games I've seen in my time, but I certainly don't think I've ever gone on a trip and done more than a, a couple of games. So I think a few things come out of that. Uh, sat in four different parts of the stadium, or the ballpark, T-Mobile Park, uh, that's to be recommended for relative baseball rookies. I think as we understand the game better and better, actually sitting in the four different places gave you very different perspectives on the game and what was going on. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, it's it's a nice stadium. Uh, interestingly, for the, you think of the rainy city or the rainy town, they call it, um, they have a sort of umbrella roof, so it's an open stadium, but they have this umbrella roof, which I think I did the stadium tour, so I think it, it sort of uh, is pulled out in rainy weather, and the only time they've had a cancellation since opening the stadium was interestingly against the Tigers, but they just couldn't get the roof to open that day, I, I believe. Um, but highlights, yeah, four games, two wins for Seattle, uh, two defeats, uh, uh, one defeat off the, the Angels' Angels. Um, uh, that game maybe wasn't quite as spicy as I might have hoped. I know we've, we've spoken before, but there's a bit of a rivalry, I think, between the two teams. 
there. The Angels uh, won the game, I think, just by one run. The Seattle do seem to have a thing with one-run wins, whether that ultimately causes them an issue or one-run games leading up to the playoffs, we'll see. But definite highlight, hate to say it, but two games against the Yankees. Um, the atmosphere, yeah, if I've been to 20 Major League games, uh, the atmosphere of games involving the Yankees and close games is actually, as a fan of sport, is noticeably different from other baseball games I've been to. Uh, in my simplistic view, I'll put that down to two things. Uh, the Yankees probably have supporters in every city in the US, and, and that's probably a bit like Rangers and Celtic in Scotland. Uh, wherever you go, you will find plenty of Yankees fans, which will be people who've moved from New York, but also people will support them because they're either the Yankees. So they bring a big support, so you get a good uh, mixed audience. But the standard of play uh, in the both games I saw with the Yankees was was exceptional. Um, a lot of star names there, especially when you look at the Yankees, you had uh, Aaron Judge, DJ LeMahieu, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all these guys coming in, you're seeing a number of the superstars of the game. Uh, and it culminated in my last game I saw, which was the classic 13th inning game where the Mariners scored the only run of the game in the bottom of the 13th. Uh, it was a walk-off single which drove in uh, one of their guys to record a win. I, um, I was conscious it was quite late. I think I texted you guys at some point in the 13th innings because it was like half past 11 or quarter to 12 Seattle time. And I thought, well, you guys must be getting up to go to work by this point. Uh, what I did do by texting you was, of course, uh, two minutes later, the game was over. Uh, but it's hard to believe if we look back five years, you could have watched 12 and a half scoreless innings of baseball and thought you'd just seen the best game ever. Um, so the quality of play, the rivalry there, and again, I guess the rivalry in terms of, uh, and, and people forgive me for this as well, but I, I suspect fans of every team in Scottish football probably take a little bit more satisfaction beating Rangers and Celtic, and the same will be said in Major League Baseball with the, the, the good old Yankees. Um, I, I ended up, I, I was sat up uh, high up on that game, but I actually thought I wanted to, it was my last night, I had to be up early the next day, I thought I'll make sure I can nip away early and get a, an Uber back to the Airbnb I was in. So I ended up watching with three or four innings standing pretty much behind home plate at the back of the first tier stands beside a few Yankees fans. But you start to feel that little bit of animosity in, in that there as well, which I have to admit I enjoyed. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, the, the Mariners, um, let's have a wee look. When I saw that first game, uh, they went 52-45. I'm trying to think. Uh, so that was, let me have a wee look. That was the, I'm trying to think where they are after seeing the last game. I can't keep up with my dates anymore. So I'm trying to think what game this was. 
but they must be there. They've certainly moved on from there, whilst the Yankees have faltered a bit as well. Uh, but they're certainly moving into into a good place. Um, they, they've got good, uh, fantastic. To see the 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 pitching the the nil the one the nil nil the one nil game. Uh, they had well, the the chap was making his debut for the the Mariners in that game. If I'll go and find his Castillo. Castillo, yeah, uh, he did well. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Both pitchers, I think, went into the high numbers for the number of pitches they threw that night. And, and why wouldn't they uh, when they're at that state? You do wonder when you start getting to 13th innings, um, but <laughs> do they still have a bullpen left? Uh, are they going to have to start looking elsewhere? Um, but no, exciting, exciting times in Seattle. And I think that contributed to the overall feeling and atmosphere we saw in the felt in the stadium as well. Uh, so uh, I absolutely loved it. Um, I'd love to see the, the Mariners go forward um, and and pull something out here uh, and, and actually make themselves get to the playoffs. So, uh, I'm just looking at the box score, Al, and a lot of people listening in might think, you know, no run scored, well, one, one run and 13 innings, you know, isn't that a bit boring? Then I looked at them, there's five double plays in the game, you know, and uh, the defence, when it works well, it's like clockwork, isn't it? You know, it really is impressive. We saw a little bit of that at London, didn't we, uh, MLB? Yeah. Thing, was it, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's much underrated, isn't it, pitching um, for um, defence, but I think it's making a bit of a, a comeback, isn't it? You know, uh, people, you never get tired of home runs, but... Uh, yeah, I think you saw it was billed as an instant classic, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the double play thing was fascinating. I've, I think you've, I've always appreciated a double play because I, but I've appreciated it and been frustrated by it for, for two reasons. You've appreciated it because you thought that's fast, and as a as the pitching team, that's just such a clever way to get two guys out. I've got frustrated by it because the number of times I've been to like a Tigers game and they've got <laughs> got a couple of men on base they've got one out and you think we're going to score here um, and I'd started done, you, you get it more and more but when you're actually watching that live and one of the Yankees fans stood beside me at the end of that game said oh it's going to take a miracle to get out of this situation a, a couple of the times for the Yankees um, they know what pitches to throw to get the double play um, yeah, they, they they can control. They can almost, they, these pitchers are that good. They can almost control, especially the bullpen guys. They can control how the batter is going to react, where the ball is going to go, and if the in the, the infield are all ready to make sure they get that double play. Yeah, even I've even heard it say that you know they they might say there's a guy on second base, who on first, just one out. You might even consider him walking a guy. Yep. And to play to bring in the double play, you know, and then deliberately throw, uh, you know, sort of a low slider or something like that to to try and get that ground ball so they get the two outs. I'm not sure if they did it, but certainly there was calls from those around me to almost to load the bases at yeah. points um, by walking the guy. Yeah. And, and again, as if you don't understand the game, you're thinking. Mm-hmm. 
why would you risk that? Now, it's sudden death situation, so there's a logic in the sudden death that you think, well, you, you don't let Aaron Judge come up here and melt one into the stratosphere. Uh, but what you're doing is you say, no, I'll walk them because actually I've got more chance now of getting a double play. Uh, and it's just... Yeah. The, the, he walks twice in that game. And yeah. in the recent series, I think, I think the Red Sox walked walk, walk him quite a lot as well. I mean, the, the guy is phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a big part of the game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good as well, because in terms of the atmosphere, you're also getting the, the, the fans are booing when somebody chooses to walk somebody. Yeah. I think, you know, you're not, um, you're not giving us a fair chance to hit it, but you're, you're allowed to walk. It's classic management. It's classic sport and baseball. You're using the rules and what you're allowed to do to get the best result um, for your team. Well, who was that manager recently who, um, and it did backfire in the end, but he, the bases were loaded. They had something like a, they have a two or three, three run lead. And he instructed, you know, I don't know who was up batting, but it was obviously a power, power hitter and he instructed them to walk in a run. So that they could, yeah, they could oh. face the next guy to get the out. And it did backfire, but he said that was um, that was his reasoning behind it, and he st stands and falls on that judgment. Yeah, yeah. That. yeah. I think the Yankees fans I was listening to felt that their manager was probably making a not making those decisions as often mm. as he could, and there might be a fear from some of these guys, and there shouldn't be a fear for these heavily paid guys. They they need to stand or fall by their decision, but you will look stupid if you make that decision and you get beat. But it, it was incredible watching that. It's incredible watching the pictures. It was incredible watching. There, there was a lot of times people were on base and you thought, oh, it's a good chance, but the defensive plays were out of there. And there was like one in one of the, the old extra innings as well, like there's a, it was a cracking line drive. Um, it, it looked to me, the guy hit the ball really well, cracking line drive, but the, the infielder catches the ball. Um, he, he gets to base, he gets to second base, and he gets the guy going to first out, and then they, they chuck it over to first as well. And you think the ability to catch that ball, he knows that's what he's trying to do. Then he knows as soon as he does it, he runs to base tags a base, and then he goes and does, throws the ball as well. Uh, the reflexes, and again, I don't know, but people around you are sort of thinking, that was, that was a stupid hit for the guy to take on. But you thought, well, they're also trying to win the game as well, so. You've got to act very quickly, haven't they, the defensive guys? And I can't remember which game I was watching the other night, but they had a guy mic'd up and he was playing second play, second base. And the game's going on, and he's just, you know, talking to the guys, and then just he goes a bit quiet because uh, the guy is just in his wind up. And he, he just kind of says, Oh, here we go. And he was involved in a double play. Yeah. You know, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
that was it, guys. Thanks for that. And they just ran, you know, ran off. Yeah, yeah. In and over. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember who it was, but it was terrific. And defence is very important for the Mariners as well, Alan, because for all the success this year so far, I hasten to add, yeah. uh, we're not, they don't score a whole lot of runs. You know, I mean, their defence yeah. is good, they've pitched well, but they're still not scoring a whole lot of runs, so it's all the more important that we make those double plays, that we give yeah. nothing away. So one of the other fantastic things about that 13-inning games was having watched the game the night before, and this again is one of the, the really interesting things about baseball compared to football, where it, it's weekly and you know the, the good teams. When I saw the Yankees the night before, I think it was 9-4, they won. Judge ended the night then as the top guy for hits, home runs and batting percentage across the whole league. Um, they looked phenomenal that night, the Yankees. Um, and I thought that's a top quality team who are hitting what they want and scoring when they want. So then to see them the next night, the same guys up against a different pitcher with a very different result, that that again just shows you the level of brilliance from Castillo that, that night when he was pitching. Uh, and I think that's some of the this sport is so unique compared to the sports that we we generally watch here, and that's a lot of that. Then comes from like starting pitchers, and and sometimes superstars of teams might be missing, which makes a difference as well. But fantastic, and and, and I enjoyed the the sunset views from T-Mobile Park. If you sit over, if you sit in the far corner overlooking second base. That must be some of the best views in baseball as well. So I had some great experiences there, Richard. Um, biggest disappointment at T-Mobile Park. Uh, I loved the fact that uh, I, went, I did the stadium tour, which was great. Um, excited to see Mike Cameron had his uh, picture up in the in the in the room. So Daz Cameron's old man. Uh, so good to see him, yeah. well respected there as a. a, a a great player for the Mariners. They have the flags of all the American League teams on the stadium as well. And I took the view, that's a really nice thing to see the support of the American League and showing all the, the different teams for the leagues. But they unfortunately pointed out on the tour that they have the flags in the divisional order, which explained maybe why the Tigers and the Red Sox came at the end of those particular orders for their their divisions but uh, <laughs> so there's a logic it's like the old-fashioned scoreboard at the football where somebody would do the half-time scores yeah <laughs> um, you, you go and change it so um, I was excited to see a Tigers flag uh, I was then disappointed to realize why it was in that <laughs> position it was in there it was and how does T-Mobile Stadium stack up against Comerica Park Alan Ah, it's coming close. <laughs> I say that, yeah. Um, it, Comerica, Comerica felt like it had a little bit more inside it. Uh, a few more statues. They've got their wee uh, tiger carousel. Uh, so a wee bit more fun stuff inside the stadium. Um, uh, it, it, looked, it looks great. Um, 
it's a fantastic setting. It's a well-designed setting. It's probably most modern baseball grounds are that you can go and sit most places and see the game well. Uh, outside the stadium, uh, a couple of statues, including for uh, Ken Griffey there as well. So you, you hear all about the Griffey uh, uh, father and son combination. Um, the suites, we'll never go to the suites, I guess. Uh, but in the tour, you go and see the suites. And in interestingly, there's something about the history there, like a 1970s team, I think, the Mariners. Yep, um, 77, yep. But all their suites are named after the greats. Um, and what I found surprising was that they're the greats of baseball. So, like, there's a Ty Cobb suite, the Georgia Peach, who played for the Tigers. Um, but... What they're saying is they don't have the history to then really have suites there for the, the Mariners greats. So they've chosen to then go through the baseball greats and, and have all of them. And, and I did, we were taken into one of the suites. I did, hopefully they're not listening. I did sneak into the Ty Cobb suite because <laughs> they had a, they had like old fashioned, the old, the original jerseys that these guys would have worn. Um, so I didn't, there's a bit of a reflection on the, on my picture, but I've got a nice wee picture of the, the shirt that Ty Cobb would have worn back it's in the At least day. didn't pinch it, Alan, that's one thing. <laughs> they should be grateful. <laughs> they should be grateful. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell you, Alan, that, that's, uh, I think it says something, hopefully it says something about the Mariners spirit, they're ha happy to honour other teams' baseball greats, but tell you, they might well have a, <clears throat> a name for a suite to come in the future, and possibly even a statue to rival Griffey's as time goes by, because... Yeah. Julio Rodriguez, who's kind of exploding into the baseball scene this year, has got to be the most exciting young talent I've seen at the Mariners for many, many years. And, and I'm hopeful that he can be, as I say, the Mariners are, are a solid to good team in most yeah. areas this year and consistent to go with it. But you mentioned just that that special, that bit of stardust that gets sprinkled throughout the teams that go on to do really well. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, I'm hopeful that he can provide that to take Seattle into the postseason. And if he can do that, and if the Mariners can, can, can you know, can support him, uh, yeah. we'll see how far they can go. I'm really, really optimistic and excited. Oh. But uh, yeah, I noticed as well. I think it was Yorkshire Dave in a previous one of the episodes mentioned about a five-tool player. I think that might have been the the description that was given. Uh, Yorkshire Dave, and, and from from memory, I think that's the you know, someone that can hit for power, hit for average, good fielder, uh, quick, and, and a good a good thrower as well. And, and Rodriguez, certainly at this early stage, and it's still early, uh, but he seems to have every single tool in the locker. And if he keeps progressing as he has so far in his short career, mm -hmm. I think we could have another one in years to come. We look back, the same way Mariners fans look back and, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, Edgar Martinez, Randy Johnson, some of the greatest names of baseball in recent years have come through Seattle. So, yeah, really, really exciting. I don't know. I don't know, Yorkshire Dave, if Julio Rodriguez is one you've been keeping an eye on this year, but he's certainly touted as a potential AL Rookie of the Year at the very least. Yeah, I know he's a Dominican Republic guy, isn't he? You know, and uh, they do produce more than their fair share of great players, aren't they? Red Sox have had a few, so... Yeah, he, he's only 21, isn't he? Incredible, yes, he I is. I mean, it's yep. super young to be, yep. to be there and doing it. Um, what's it, I don't know what his background was. Was he a draft, a draft pick or did he just get him from your 
operation in, in I'm the sure he was drafted. I'm sure he was drafted. Yeah. Uh, I think that's maybe when he spent one of our best draft picks, I'm sure, to yeah. get him, which would make sense. Yeah, let's 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 hope it um, you know, you know, whatever injury he's got just now is just uh, temporary and we see we see him in the playoffs. Yeah, that's where you want great players to be. A great, yeah. great, great story yeah. uh, behind him there as well. 21, Alan. I don't know what we were doing at 21, but we certainly weren't taking Major <laughs> League Baseball uh, by storm. I, I can tell you what I did on my 21st birthday, but you wouldn't appreciate that. Is it, is it not suitable for work, Alan? Or, or, or is it, it's, it's, not, it's not suitable for... Um, Somebody of your footballing allegiances. Okay, okay. Well, that's not that's not too bad. I'm I'm open minded when it comes yeah. to these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, you probably one of the best goals Rangers have scored in an old firm game it was my twenty first birthday. Uh, Davy Cooper back flick to Ian Durant at Ibrox. Yeah, oh, excellent. And was that in a in a victory? I'm guessing, Alan. It was a one 0 victory. It was the only goal of the game. Um, and uh, I probably drank more than Jay Rod, a professional <laughs> athlete, would drink that night as well. But I did actually see him. I think he's been injured, but he actually homered in the first game I saw him. Uh, and you'll be pleased to know he, he homered against Rangers, who they beat that night as well. So Fantastic. Rangers, who have in fact sacked their manager. They sacked their coach today, the Texas Rangers, gave yeah. Chris Woodward the boot. Uh, so that was one of the... I guess and part of the kind of slide they've had, which ultimately cost Chris Woodward his job today. Right. Uh, so tough times for Rangers, Alan. Only unfortunately, from my perspective, it's from the Texas variety rather than Glasgow side. Yeah. So no, a great great trip. Um, thanks for asking about it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> Recommend. Lo- lovely stadium. Um, well, well set out. Exciting team to watch. Uh, whether I should say, if you're getting a chance to go and watch teams you don't support, it, it'll tend to be when you're there on holiday, but going to see them against the Yankees might not be the worst thing you could do in the world for a wee bit of excitement. Uh, so I did that, and also managed to catch a soccer game at Lumen Field when I was there, the home of the Seahawks. So that is ticked off the Footballogy app now as well, I'm pleased to say. So <laughs> uh, these these are life's priorities have been dealt with, and now uh, Squeezed, uh, squeezed an Alaskan cruise in the middle of it, Richard. So there you go. Oh, that sounds excellent, Alan. And actually, you know, uh, obviously, women's and, and girls' football more generally, football played by women's and girls has quite rightly got a lot of positive coverage and, and, and is in a better place and a fairer place these days in, in, in the sporting uh, kind of theatre. But I remember playing on holiday in Seattle and playing football 25 years ago. Obviously, I was very, very young, obviously. Uh, but it was the first time I'd ever played football in a mixed environment where men and right. women were on the same team and I couldn't get my Neanderthal West of Scotland brain <laughs> around this concept. So I'm yeah. glad that the game's evolved and I might even have evolved a little bit as well. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but yes, that was one of my big memories as well. I'd often think about it well, now that women's football is finally getting its getting its place as well. But uh, it's a great yeah. city as well, Alan. Yeah, I enjoyed the city. Um uh, you've also got Pike's Place Market, the historical uh, fish market. Um, also, uh, when you go downstairs in the market, they've got your usual curio shops. So I, I went into like the, the sports card shop. Um, in fact, I've got a picture of something I was going to send uh, Dave Senior there. So I like that stuff. Obviously, I, I'm not into collecting 
baseball stuff, I've accumulated enough tat in my life. I will accumulate stuff from games I go to and what have you. But um, I'm fascinated by it. And there's guys in there asking if the boys got cards of such and such and what have you. So I love that sort of stuff. In amongst the usual stores you'd see in there, they've got the Space Needle. I think that was built for built for one of the World Expos. Um, lucky enough, I did like a Puget Bay, if that's the right way to pronounce it. Uh, yeah, sailing Puget Sound and stuff. Yep. Puget Sound, yeah, sailing trip, and we saw a bunch of orca whales. Um, uh, nice bars we go to. Uh, surprisingly, <laughs> this is the west of Scotland thing as well. A number of these bars tended to close quite early. Um, uh, Before you drank them dry, Alan. <laughs> whether they saw us coming or not, I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> uh, and and yeah, do we we did the underground trip tour as well, which actually gave a lot of history of Seattle. And I like it's it's interesting to go away and learn how Seattle became Seattle, uh, how it made itself a major city, what it made its money on. Uh, and how it, how it got its place, and the layout of the city, which is interesting as well. Uh, so, without spoiling it for people, I'd say yeah, uh, you, you've got the All Star Game next year. So, if people are thinking about it, there's a city you can go and uh, uh, visit, and you'll you'll see interesting stuff uh, when when you get get there. So, yeah, every place has its interesting stuff to go and see. Absolutely. Well, what we'll do now is we'll travel 3,000 miles east is what we'll do, and we'll wind up in Boston and Yorkshire, Dave, your, your Red Sox, yeah, I know you've remained relatively upbeat despite their kind of <laughs> roller coaster season, uh, but what's, what's your latest take on how the Red Sox are doing? Yeah, well, as Alan uh, rightly said, they find themselves back in the bottom of the AL East, back under 500, a record of 57 wins 59 losses but they're only I say only they're only four and a half games out of the uh, sixth wild card spot so it's doable but I can't say I'm as confident as uh, you know I was um, in the lead up to the the all-star break um, good result uh, a 2-1 win series win against the Yankees at, uh, at Fenway Park which uh, they did play well, pitched well, and um, in, you know, in fact, uh, I guess they might they might have swept them. They, they, I think the, the the game they lost was only by one run, but um, one of their wins was a walk off win. So yeah, you'll take a two one win against the Yankees, rest day today, and then they're they're on the road to play the Pirates, who are forty five and seventy. So with Due respect to the Pirates, that sounds like a must-sweep series. Is there yeah. such a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Is that, you know, and then it's three games against the Orioles, who uh, are just above them in the league. So, you know, five or six games, if they could go on a on a streak, could could put them back in it. But it's a big ask. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it all started going a little bit wrong at the wrong time because. In the lead up to the All Star Game and the trade deadline, you know you need to be. We've talked about this before, haven't you? You need to be in a good position and likely to to reach the playoffs for your owners and your general manager to think, right, we're going to improve the team because we've got a chance of qualifying. 
if you're on a, a losing streak and it looks like you're going, you're not going to make the playoffs, then they bail out and become a selling club. Now, just before the deadline, they started going on a bad streak, and there was talk of them selling, you know, quite a few of the players. Um, in the end, they actually picked up a couple of guys. The the one guy that they sold, uh, it was really poorly treated. Christian Vasquez, the um, the catcher who was. I think he's the longest serving player on, on the roster. To say he was poorly treated is an understatement. He was actually in his Red Sox uniform taking batting practice at the Astros when he was told he had been traded to the Astros. And, you know, the, the journalists were all around him asking him questions. The guy was stunned. It looked as though he was almost, you know, he was speechless and almost in tears. And to, his, his teammates pulled him away and you know it was really shocking but um i guess sometimes that happens but i mean i thought that was pretty crass actually um they picked up a couple of guys this guy to the outfielder tommy pham he's had a great start he, he's endeared himself to red sox nation with their, their walk-off hit the other night against the yankees um they've got themselves um an experienced first baseman in eric hosmer and they didn't trade J.D. Martinez. So that, I think that was, it's kind of the argument. Now, the Red Sox fans are a bit, you know, they like the Yankees fans. They'll get on the team and the owners and the GM if they think they're not investing the money. And, you know, this Vasquez thing is a little bit older than they've got another uh, catcher in who's younger. And it's all about saving money and getting prospects for the future. But what the Red Sox fans want. They want a, a winning team and they want it now. So not trading JD, that's the general manager can turn around and say, well, we, we weren't a selling team. We still have hope for this year. So whether it comes up or not, I don't know. They've had, they've had the fair share of injuries, which uh, other clubs do, but I think it's hit, I think it's hit them pretty hard. And you know, Chris Sale, have you heard the story about, about him? Poor fellow was, you know, since this trade, he's only really, this is three years ago, he's only started 20 odd games. And uh, he was out all, you know, he had that, was it him who had Tommy John surgery? No. Anyway, was out pretty much all last season, then came back, pitched quite well. Then he had some kind of issue with his back and missed most of um, the start of this season, came back, pitched one game pretty well. Then he came in to pitch his second game and was um, broke his pinky on his pitching hand, I think, in a, one of these sort of comebacker hits. Then he was coming back from that pretty well, and there's some sort of mysterious injury where he was cycling back for a, a rehab game, and he's supposed to have fallen off his bike, and nobody's witnessed this. Now listen to this podcast. And they're getting right into it and saying, we just don't believe this guy is up to something. And they went in this long list of funny issues, like players, you know, they're just normal guys, apart from being professional athletes. A lot of them are nutters, you know, and race around on ATVs, or is it all-terrain vehicles? And they, they kept citing one or two players who said they'd had this injury, uh, you know, playing catch or whatever, uh, or stubbing the toe getting out of bed or whatever and it turned out they'd be messing about on on an all-terrain vehicle so anyway he's getting a lot of stick 
now from from the fans saying, you know, we're not getting our money's worth. I mean, so he's out for the rest of the season. But there's there's quite a few good things happening. There's some good um, starting pitching in Valdi. Pivetta Michael Walker came back last night, pitched brilliantly. But even the bullpen's going really well. When Gareth Whitlock's looking like a a closer or an end end inning guy. And so is Tanner Howe, but he's gone on the injured list as well. But hopefully that's not serious. But will they make the postseason? I think it's slightly less than 50-50. They've really got to do well in those next six games because I think right after that, um, they've got the Jays and the Rays at Fenway, which, uh, you know, their record, I think that series against the Yankees is the only series they've won against a team in their league um so you know that makes it doubly difficult to um to qualify doesn't it because i think three of them are in you know, obviously the yankees are top and the next two i think are in wild card spots aren't they then it's uh, the mariners um isn't it in the third spot i think so yeah i've always got hope i think um they just need a bit of inspiration i think they've got a good manager cora will get them going and um, yeah, like look at Tommy Pham, fantastic. Uh, you know, it's uh, you need guys like that. But that Christian Vasquez, he was great in the clubhouse as well. But I think that was just business. But yeah, I was a, I was a really dreadful image. Him being told on the field of play that like he's being traded to the guy, his opponents, and he's still in his red socks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that I mean that's a very rare thing in other sports, I think. But um yeah, still keeping the faith. Pleased to hear. I expect nothing less. And as you say, <laughs> there's maybe there is, as you say, there is a path uh, to the playoffs still for the Red Sox, but as you see, I expect them to have to win all the vast majority of our upcoming two series. And then, as you say, then to step up and find a way to beat those teams, as you say, the, yeah. the Rays and the Jays that have maybe struggled to beat those kind of teams before. Alan, uh, it seems a bit unfair that we've got you to speak about the Mariners for most of the, the episode without giving you a chance to talk about the Tigers. And actually, you're quite fortunate as well, because Dave Jr. unfortunately couldn't join us tonight. And that might be just as well for you, Alan, because obviously his White Sox have just swept the series against the Tigers. I think it's highly unfair of you to ask me about the Tigers and to chat about them, Richard. I was quite enjoying the, the Mariners chat and ignoring the realities of real life. One win in 11 games. Uh, pretty, pretty poor form for a baseball team. Swept by the White Sox. Um, 43 wins to date, so they need another 20 wins out of, let me see, 40... Well, less than 50 games, I think 46 games. They need something like 20 wins out of 46 games to avoid losing 100 games in the season. So, yeah, we could move on quickly. I think <laughs> that the fans, uh, Al Alviva, Al Alviva, the, there we go, we know who, we meet, who I mean. The GM of the Tigers got the bullet last week uh, and that... Um, has gone down well generally with the Tigers fans. I think uh, uh, what, what's not gone down well is the, the GM, um, uh, sorry, the owner, uh, Aviva, Aviva, he was the GM. Um, the owner has basically said it wasn't him that made the trades that he was getting, the GM was getting the blame for. 
um, which is a bit uh, a, a bit rich. I, I don't think he's the most popular chap either, although he does put the money into the, the club, possibly not the, the right amount of money. But um, I think the big thing now for the Tigers is to find a new GM. Let, let's see who they can come up with and will that make a, make a difference as we go forward. But very disappointing having had a semi-decent season last year. And they had more winning months than losing months last year, I think. Uh, but this year just hasn't gone well at all. And one win in 11, yeah, that's poor. Uh, over his, his tenure uh, with the Tigers, Avila, his overall record was uh, the round about 41% victories, I think, Alan, against kind of 58.8 or whatever defeats. So it was a kind of career... Just over 400 record for wins for the Tigers he had well in charge. So, but as you say, they're kind of skewed a bit as well because we are currently having a, a poor season. Obviously, I will be interested to see which way they which way they go next. Yeah, um, it, it's it's got to be a big, uh, it's got to be a big appointment. And do the fans have the confidence? Um, in the ownership to get the right person in, uh, I think they would be struggling to say yes just now. I think I think we have general feeling we get the right person in as AJ Hinch as the manager, yeah. um, but it's a very it's a different type of setup to again what we are used to in football. It's I suppose you do have your director of football, and the importance of that role is increasing all all the time as well. And that's the best analogy. But the, the GM is much more important in baseball and most DFFs would be certainly at the level we, we would see in Scottish football as well. Um, but these are the guys who do the trades. The, the, I'm guessing the, the manager's telling them what he's looking for and they've got a budget and they then go out and do what what, what, what they can do. But yeah. It's not um, always just about the the trade the big trades they're making for the roster either, is it? You know, this is yeah. one of the criticisms uh, that is uh, laid at the Heim Bloom's uh, um, store because he, he's a GM at uh, Boston, and Boston sort of demand the sort of uh, competitive team every every year. Whereas he's quite a lot about prospects and building up their farm system. And um, you know, listening to some of the critics are saying, "Yeah, we have to agree." that he has improved our farm system. So you get much better players coming through the system. You know, when they go down to, you know, AAA or AA, bringing guys up, they've got some pretty good pitching prospects there, which they haven't really had before. But, but you know, Boston say, well, we need both. We need a good farm system and we need to spend the money to get the big players in. So, you know, like the Yankees, this is why they're not universally... You know, likes they are a big team. They're like a Man United. They're like a, a Liverpool, who are always in or used to be. You know, whenever there's a big player uh, in in for trade, then Boston's one of the teams that talked about. But that wasn't the case um, this time at at all, and I don't think it has been for a few years. And you know that Mookie Betts trade is uh, rearing its um, ugly head again, and. Uh, you know, when you look at Ben Intendi now, he's um, playing brilliant outfield for for the, for the Yankees at uh, his first time back 
at Fenway Stadium. And it's a little bit tough to take, <clears throat> actually. And if, if they don't qualify for the postseason this year, what's going to happen with Bogarts and Devers, who, um, you know, haven't signed up new contracts yet? And, uh, you know, if they were to go, then I think you would see some kind of revolution, <laughs> not for the first time in <laughs> in Boston area. So it's the right city, it's the right place for it, certainly. <laughs> Yes, yeah, we're sort of, uh, so, so long time since I've been there, but I hope the first time where Lorraine and I uh, did quite a few touristy things and we ended up on that, um, what they call the ship that stood in the harbour and you can go on there and you can reenact the, you know, when they threw the tea off the focus of the taxis on the tea and I was one of the guys who got, uh, some guys dressed up as Indians to come and attack them and then uh, we, th- we threw these uh, Sea chests off the boat. It's a great, it's a great time. You know, I'd love to go back. I haven't been back for about twenty years, but uh, need to get back there and get back to Fenway. Absolutely. Well, here's hoping there's uh, better news and better results at Fenway for the remainder of the 2022 MLB season. That's it, folks. That's the Highland bullpen for this time out. Be sure to join us next time. And once again, thanks for listening.